Hello, welcome to today's episode of Juice and the Number is Your Statistics and Sports Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Joshua Tracy. And I am Corwin Heller. And welcome to the Thursday episode of the show. As you listen to this, it is Wednesday, October 19th, about 6.15 p.m. here on the East Coast, meaning that the uh, Phillies-Padres game is underway, currently in the top of the fifth, two outs, Philly leading 4-2. The Yankees-Astros ALCS game one has not yet started, looking to get uh, first pitch in about an hour 20 from where we stand right now. As we last recorded, the DS series is we're about to get started. And since we missed out getting to the chance to record for Monday's episode, because it was game five of uh, the ALDS between the Yankees and the uh, guardians, we opted not to record so that well, one, I could selfishly watch the game and two, we can make sure we're talking about some complete series is um, so instead. So we have all of the DS series to cover. And then uh, a look into the matchups that have will have both finished by the time you listen to this episode, at least in the first game. Uh, so, Corin Heller, are you ready to get started? I am. All right. <laughs> um, I get. Let's uh, let's start with the Yankees Guardian series since it just ended, and why not go in some degree of reverse order here? Sure. Um. All right, so the ALDS series between the Yankees and the Guardians went all five games. Uh, New York won game one in the Bronx, four to one, lost game two in 10 innings to Cleveland, four to two, uh, lost game three to Cleveland, six, five in Cleveland, won game four in Cleveland, four to two to bring it back home to the Bronx, and then won a very what looked like easy game against the Guardians, five to one. Uh, that takes them the series and gives them um, their third appearance against the Astros in the ALCS in the last five years. I think I'm getting that right. Um, interestingly, no travel day, and this will lead to a long stretch of games without too much of a break for the Yankees. Not that anyone's going to have any sympathies, and uh, nor should they. It's baseball. But it is unusual uh, and pits the Yankees in kind of an odd position. Uh, Corbin, did you watch much of or any of this series? I watched a fair amount. Uh, I did not watch every pitch. I did not watch every game, but I watched multiple innings uh, of everything, of almost everything. Do you have uh, anything stand out to you about this series? Uh, Yes, how genuinely torn I was about who to root for who I wanted to win I you know part of me was like ah it's the playoffs obviously I would be happy for Josh if the Yankees moved on I know how much that would mean to him but oh my fucking god this Guardians team is so fucking fun um I ended up having the strongest feelings towards the Guardians uh it was just a team of destiny that that actually wasn't it was like Stannis Baratheon we thought he was the prince that was promised. He ain't. Um, and they put up a fight, but inevitably slaughtered in the north. Was game the final game in New York? Yes. Slaughtered in the north. Is is New York north of Cleveland? Oh, shit. No. Yeah, I actually no, don't it's know. Not. 
I would put money on it not being. I would think um, it's not as well. Let me let me bust out my my old globe. Uh, Cleveland is more north than than New York by a by a touch. Good, love that. Absolutely love that. Good job, yeah. Corwin. You are get fucked. I usually do. It's like it's like I don't know I don't know why, but or if this will make any sense to you, but in my head I always thought for some reason that England and like London specifically were directly across from New York. Like I just made mm-hmm. that connection between London and New York in my head and was like, oh, they are along like the same parallel. No, they are not. Do you know what's funny? What? Tokyo is. That is funny. I again, I would. I, I, none of this means anything. Like none of it means anything because our perceptions of where these things are do not matter. But it is so weird how we make these. Like the fact that Portugal is on the same parallel as New York is hilarious mm-hmm. because you picture Portugal it's like the sunny, tropical. yeah, like tropical island place, and New York is like fuck you. It's gloomy. It's cold. <laughs> eat a dick. We hate you. Uh, the sun is either trying to kill you or the lack of sun is definitely trying to kill you. Yeah, but it's a bunch of people misspeaking a, a language that is almost English, but not quite. <laughs> and and they're they're very angry. They're very angry at you specifically. You did something to them. Um, anyway, that's not what this podcast is about. <laughs> yeah. I imagine um, there were some angry Portuguese at some point. Uh, there's gotta be at least one or two of them. I can't imagine they're all thrilled to be there. Um, who knows? So this game got kind of pitched to audiences as being the 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 scrappy small ball team versus the the big homer team, you know, home run smackaroo team. And I guess to a certain extent, that is true. But I think people were putting too much weight on the fact. I'll put it this way: mm-hmm. in order for your small ball style of play to succeed. You need sample size because there's too much vari- variability in it. You know, like you in order to in order to bat 300, like you need to have stretches of games where you're batting 400 because you're going to have stretches of games where you bat like 200, right? You no one bats 300 for the season and just maintains that. Mm-hmm. And that's what small ball really is. It's it it can be relatively speaking effective over 162 because the stats will even out and you'll have really really good tears Uh, but there'll be stretches where you don't have your opportunities home runs while they can also be you know predisposed to having good stretches and bad stretches from your team they are immediate you immediately get a run yes their effect is obvious sudden and impactful getting one hit to lead into multiple hits. And we feel like we have this conversation every postseason is so much less statistically probable than just hitting a home run to get a run, getting a, a slap single, a stolen base, um, and then another hit to right field far enough for you to actually get over and score a run takes a lot more things that need to go right than just hitting a home run. Obviously, which is hard. Not a lot of them have been hit so far in this series. Um, But it is the 
path of least resistance for, you know, scoring runs. Mm-hmm. And so to that effect, I think it played out a little bit how one would expect, which uh, is this. The Yankees had a batting team batting average this series of 182. Oof. Uh, Cleveland, not too much better. Batting average of 247. On base, evened it out a lot, 273 for the Yanks, 289 for uh, Cleveland. But slugging is where we see the biggest difference, 370 for the Yanks, 337 for the Guardians, OPS for the Guardians, 627, OPS for the Yanks, 643. And then the difference in the all-important home run column, New York 9, Cleveland 3. And just to kind of hammer the previous point that we were just talking about home, last night the – Padres had five hits, scored zero runs over nine innings. The Philadelphia Phillies had two hits, two solo home runs, two runs, two nothing. That's it. You can perform better and still lose because you just can't do them all in one inning. And, and you see those types of box scores all the time now. I'm, and and it, it sucks because you want to, like, take away the moral victory of – we we allowed fewer big innings. You know, our team got through the lineup quicker. You know, did, or didn't turn the lineup over as as much. You know, we're we're doing a good job on preventing base runners. But at the end of the day, if the scoreboard still says that you're losing, does the fact you let up fewer hits fucking matter? No, it really it really doesn't. And I mean that <laughs> that's that's modern day baseball, baby. Um. Oh, I just realized Jameson Tyne has an infinite ERA. I did not realize that for this series. That's fucking funny. I've never actually seen it in a box score. Filthy pitch. Um. The, speaking of pitching, yes. Guardians pitching for this series ERA of three point eight nine. The big inning getter was Cal Quantrill. If you can believe it, led the team with ten innings pitched. Um. He allowed six of the nineteen runs. <laughs> That the Guardians ultimately ended up allowing. It's a 5.4 ERA, uh, led only by Ka- uh, Aaron Savali, who entered into one single game, pitched 0.1 innings, and allowed three earned runs. That was game five. Um, the win probability added leader was Emmanuel Classe. Of course, he came in and was fantastic. 3.2 innings pitched, no runs allowed. Um, he also led in championship one win probability added for that reason. Uh, for the Yankees, the innings pitch leader was Garrett Cole, who uh, pitched two games, won both of them, had three earned runs between the two outings. Um, number two is Nestor Cortez, who also had two innings pitched. But the 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 real standout here, Wandy Peralta pitched in all five games of the ALDS series. First time it's ever happened. Uh, six innings pitched, uh, allowed two earned runs, seven strikeouts. And uh, I mean, it was huge for them. His win probability added second highest on the team uh, for, for the, for the pitching side of things. I, I mean, God damn, what a fucking performance from this dude. Yeah. I mean, I think bullpens are kind of the most overlooked part of a baseball team. When you talk about a team that you don't necessarily watch on a daily basis and, when it comes to the playoffs, holy shit, they are unbelievably important. 
having and having like that that guy that you can go to you know the, the, we've talked on here a lot about how the idea behind bullpen bullpens in general have kind of shifted to where it's a little bit more matchup based you know it's a little bit more like not just what do you throw but how do you throw it and how does this person swing and and you know how do those two things or those confluence of things reach the most desirable outcome probabilistically however and this is always the thing that we come back to with baseball there is something Mm -hmm. about just having that dog in you (laughs) there is there is just something about being that motherfucking guy. The memes are real. The strategy is real. If you got the dog in you, you fucking come out in the playoffs. Josh Naylor, he's got a pack of dogs in him. Wandy Peralta, he out. he's got a dog. Wandy Peralta, man, it, fucking wild. And it's so cool to see a dude get that kind of moment, especially a relief pitcher. Where, where it can, unless you're the closer, it can kind of be an unsung position. And especially a dude that, like, I mean, man, you want to look back at that Mike Talkman trade. That man is playing in Korea, and Wandy Peralta just did some amazing shit to put the Yankees in the ALCS. <laughs> what a trade. Right. God damn. I, I mean, I don't know. If I had to pick, I was thinking about this uh, right after the game yesterday, that if I had to pick, a MVP for the series. And I don't think there's a DS MVP. I think they only do CS in World Series. I, I, I Cole obviously has a very strong case. They won both of his starts. Um, same thing with Cortez. Cortez has a very strong case for the exact same reason. Harrison Bader was huge this series. Um, but man, I, I really feel like I would give it to Peralta just for being like the expectation, fair or unfair for Cole. Mm-hmm. Is that you go out and you win both those fucking games because this is the Cleveland Guardians and you are the ace of the New York Yankees. No and one is has, expecting Juan D. Peralta to go to out there and those. pitch all five games. And exactly. Of course not. Cole has to have those games. Otherwise, right. otherwise not an ace, you know? So I, I mean, for just do doing it, man. I I Again, I'm not trying to hand out actual trophies for winning a DS series because there are no trophies for winning a DS series. It was fucking cool. Um, Harrison Bader has immediately become one of the most likable dudes on the planet in my eyes. Um, he had- can we can we go back to the conversation we talked about or the conversation we had when the trade went down? And I brought up the point: this is a playoff move, and you were like, "I don't care if he helps in the playoff; that'll come." Right now, face to like straight up, Yankees have pitching problems. I don't like this trade, and it's worked out beautifully. It has. I am incredibly wrong, and I have to eat that. This is this is man is amazing. He could you? How do you bet money? I don't get that often. It's great. Oh yeah, a fucking absolutely slam dunk wrong. How on earth would you feel confident about making the bet that Harrison Bader would hit more home runs in this series than any other Yankee? Anybody else in the postseason? I mean, didn't he hit as many as Judge and um, uh, Stanton Stan combines? Yeah, Judge. Judge, who had a very no, actually, Judge had two home runs. I don't know why I don't remember two home runs. I only remember one home run. So never mind. Judge had two, and Stanton had two. So no, uh, Harrison Bader had three. 
I do not remember Judge's second. Oh, no, no, no. no. Okay. Um, yeah, Judge was uh, rough this series. Uh, I mean, of his four hits, two of them were home runs, which certainly helps the the appearance of, of his uh, his OPS and his slugging. Uh, 11 strikeouts, one walk. Um, yeah, it wasn't pretty for our man, uh, for the MVP. Who's to say why that is? Uh, like, I'm not going to sit here and try to diagnose what, what the issue is. And some people like to say, well, when you hit that many home runs, your arms get tired. And it's like, fuck you. He's a professional baseball player. I doubt he's just tired. Um, Have you seen his arms? I imagine he can hit several more times throughout the course of a season and not just immediately tire out. But what I what I fucking oh, find ridiculous no about that logic, which people like, especially <laughs> old dudes, say, yes. "Are you okay?" Yes. Oh, uh, this is Corwin's excited sounds. What happened in the game? Austin Nola beats Aaron Nola to drive in a run from first base. Wow, how Let's embarrassing go. is that? <laughs> oh shit, Padres man on first and third, one out. Um. The thing I find ridiculous about the logic of hitting too many home runs during the regular season and making yourself tired, um, which is a thing that you, I have heard people say, I know you have heard people say, people say unironically is, does it take that much more energy to actually hit the home run than just to swing for one and miss or to hit a uh, big no. foul? Like, like the, the, the type of contact you made was the issue, not the effort behind. The, like it's making it sound like, oh, if I just swing harder, all of my hits will now be home runs. I'm just not swinging hard enough. <laughs> Which is like, fuck. Look, if, if he was okay. unable to get around a ball and if he was just getting balls blown by him, okay, there's a discussion to be had about Balls Man, he does. As soon as I said it, I was like, that is teetering on the edge of filthy. Uh, if he just doesn't have the endurance or the energy to kind of have the same swing that he has had all season, okay, maybe that is a rest discussion. But he hasn't. He's looked totally fine and has just missed pitches. Honestly, I think it's just there's a lot of pressure on Aaron Judge to be the offense of the New York Yankees in the playoffs. Pitchers are wired because it's the playoffs. I, I don't think it's anything to dive into. And, and you know, like, like I said, there is a sporadic nature with, with home runs as well as regular hits and, and small ball baseball. Like, to say that Aaron Judge had a rough five-game stretch during the regular season would be like, okay, and? Mm-hmm. Like, and again, rough stretch where he had two home, two runs. home runs. Like, which, don't get me wrong, for Aaron Judge this season, this was a, a rough five-game stretch. Mm-hmm. Rough five-game stretch where he had two home runs. Like, there's... I think what, what's really got me so fucking ass chapped about this is Bob Costas wouldn't shut the fuck up about it. Did you listen to any of his commentary of the series? I've tried not to. It uh, was horrendous. Like he's, he's he went from like, all right, that was a cool quip to like six minutes of just like incoherent rambling back to like an individual good quip. And it was just like, this is not worth it. It felt like a man who grew up idolizing Vince Scully, desperately trying to be Vince Scully, but forgetting that like 
what made Vin great wasn't his ability Vin to ignore everything else. Yeah, it felt like that. It felt like uh, Ken Burns is filming his next documentary, and it's about me, and it's happening right now. Um, like especially for a sport like baseball, where it's like I have a guy next to me, I'm going to talk to him while I play this game. And Bob, every time Ron spoke, I could feel like Bob went, "Oh, oh, right, you're here." <laughs> so sorry, don't sneak up on me like that, Ron. Um, <laughs> and it's like. Like I, I was listening to game five, like he has not addressed Ron Darling specifically a single time this entire game, this entire series. Oh my God. Uh, Juan Soto doubles, Ron scores. Oh, God damn it, Josh. I'm on a delay. You're on a delay? You've yeah. been ahead of me. You've I don't have cable. Me. How? You're ahead of me. I Sorry. I didn't mean to spoil this for you. <laughs> oh, hold on. Now I got to watch it. <laughs> oh, and two. 77th pitch. Let's go. He's locked in. Yes! <laughs> so I'm so sorry. I thought you were ahead of me for some reason. That's my bad. Didn't mean to spoil okay. that for you. Tie game, baby. Oh, Aaron. Your brother is oh. going to get lay it on you for this. They keep cutting to his dad wearing both those jerseys and the stupid hat and sunglasses combo. And distraught. <laughs> honestly i think it, it, if, if i was the dad of two mlb players while they were playing each other i would wear a neutral team's jersey <laughs> like imagine their dad showing up in like a brewer's jersey <laughs> just Hell like yeah. fuck it got guys i'm not picking wear and those like uh, and those combo jersey. jerseys are horrible oh absolutely we're like school jerseys or something wait where wear an nfl jersey <laughs> I was like, oh, why is he so upset? Like, his son's team is winning. Well, because his other son's getting lit the fuck up. Yeah. And it, uh, they also mentioned this during the uh, the, the Jets-Packers uh, game this past Sunday about how it was the LaFleur brothers facing off against each other. And the commentators were like, I bet their families were really uh, not looking forward to this matchup, really you know, exhausted about who to root for and are just relieved it's over. And it's like, fuck. I'd be shit talking, tap dancing my way through those family conversations. I'd be, I'd be lighting fires under everyone's ass. Who the fuck wouldn't want that? That'd be a dream come true. And how many, how many like wives or like distant relatives or whoever, like the parents even, like, do they really give a shit who wins the game? No. Like, both of their relatives, like both of these guys, are paid exorbitant amounts of money. And Matt are at the first the head of coach their career. Of the Packers. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously, he's going to be fine. Who cares? Yeah. It's not like this is like some high school football match, or maybe it's a little bit more exhausting because you have two like teenagers that you're trying not to, 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 to crush the spirits of. These are two dudes at the peaks of their careers. Same thing for the Nola brothers. Like, they're fine. Don't worry. Dude, they can do what they want. Anyway, let's get back on topic. We talked about the Yankees Guardians for a while. We'll we'll talk about the the matchup that the Yankees are heading into in a moment. I guess let's do the other AL series since we're already here, which was a a, a big letdown. I gotta say, as the Houston yeah. Astros swept the Seattle Mariners three to nothing. Um, Astros looked like they were on the ropes in Game One when they were down um, seven to three, and then of course they won that game seven to eight from some. Mm. Severely questionable managing from Scott Cervase. 
Uh, the Mariners took a lead in game two as well, but ultimately lost that game also in Houston two to four. And then they played a marathon match in Seattle's first home playoff game since 2001, 18 innings where the Astros eventually won on the back of what else? A solo home run in the top of the 18th to win. Who was the uh, young pitcher for the Astros that went like three or four innings in uh, extras? Because he just, he he won that game. He put them on his back and just carried them through that game while the Mariners just had to completely deplete their bullpen. Uh, Luis Garcia. That's him. Five excellent, innings excellent. in relief. Oh, that's insane. Yeah. Like, I get he's a starter. I get that he was rested. I get that he's fully capable of going Still. five innings. That's so tough to do just out like, of the bullpen. The last five innings. Like, he came in right. in the 13th through the 18th. Like, that's right. nuts. Like, it's not the pressure of, like, I just need to eat up a couple innings of low runs so that the bullpen can come in and, and give the offense time. Time to to get what they need. No, like it's you have no fuck ups. You have to go as long as you physically can, and you can't fuck up. Uh, and he was, and and that's the thing that really gets me. And then they let him close the game. Like he went out there and shoved four innings. His team got a lead, and then Dusty was like, "Fucking finish it." <laughs> yeah, do do I it. love that. And I then he was like, the "Absolutely," Astros, but I love that move. I, Dusty Baker's a fucking A class manager, man. Like, like that. That that's the thing. He, yeah, you know, he's still the old dude. So, so every now and then, there's a, a a quote or a take where you're like scratching your head a little bit. But when it comes to to letting his you know trust in players and letting them go out there and do what they got to do, Dusty's Dusty's on top of it, man. Um, Scott Cervais, though. Fuck, fuck you. D- were you watching the game when Jordan hit that home run? Uh, uh, maybe he hit several. The one that walked off the game. Uh, I think so. I had to have been. I definitely was. Yeah. So it's the bottom of the ninth. The, uh, the Mariners are leading at this point, seven to five. Paul Seawalt comes in to pitch, gets a ground out, uh, gets Christian Vasquez to ground out. He then hits David Hensley with a pitch. So he's on base. He then gets Jose Altuve to strikeouts. Now it's bottom of the ninth, two outs, one man on. Jeremy Pena comes up, hits a single. So now the tying runner is aboard, and Yoran Alvarez comes up to bat. Now, for me, the most obvious thing to do is to walk Jordan Alvarez. I, 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 why you would pitch to him is unfathomable to me. Agreed. Wait, I feel like we talked about this. Did we not talk about this? I don't think we did. No, because it happened after the the Padres Mets game. I don't know why it feels like we talked about this already. Do we really not talk um, about this? I don't. I don't think so. Because for for me, there's there's only a handful of things that could happen. Either Jordan hits a home run, game over. Jordan makes it out, game over Mariners win, which would be great. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. Uh, or you put him on 
and the two runners, the runner ahead of him doesn't matter at all. The, the, the first run, the runner on third doesn't matter at all. You still win the game, even if that guy scores. The runner on second can, all right, you tie the game, whatever, you take it to the, the thing. But if Jordan scores, the game's fucking over. And we're talking about the second best home run hitter in baseball. So the likelihood that he scores standing in the batter's box is probably better than the likelihood that he scores standing on first. So uh, why fucking pitch to him? You have a better chance against the 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 righty Alex Bregman who's sitting behind him than you do hitting you do against the left-handed batter Jordan Alvarez. Even with Robbie Ray, who uh, we must talk about this because I definitely remember chewing out Robbie Ray for for having a you know a rough season, leading to him just yeah. But that was because they didn't have a CS or no. a, a wild card. That was that was an earlier that was in the wild card round where Robbie Ray came in and, and gave up a home run. That was or in this round too. Series. Yeah, it was game one. Oh, we are maybe we talked about game one already. Had to. Have oh man, Corin and I cannot figure this out. Regardless, let's just when let it be then. Anything out? Let's just let this be. The 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 Mariners lost, which was wildly predictable. It was unfortunate because it didn't have to happen in a, in a sweep. Um, because they looked like, man, if they could have had two games in Seattle, you really feel like they could have taken one, especially with how close they kept it for the one that they did get. And then maybe you go back to Houston tied in, in the in the series to a piece, um, which, I, again, I'd still put money on Houston, but like it could have been such a more fun series if surveys didn't blow it. Uh, again, the Astros going to the, to the, the ALCS is wildly predictable, but boo. Agreed. Fully agreed. All right. Then let's talk about the two series I know we didn't talk about, which is uh, Philly Atlanta, <laughs> which Philly fucking won, man. Uh, they took game one in Atlanta in, in a in a shocker, uh, seven to six. The uh, Atlanta team took back game two to even up the series three nothing. And then Philly took both games with style. For the last two uh, in Philadelphia, winning the first one nine to one, the second one eight to three. Neither game was close. They were both cakewalks for Philly as they tap danced their way into the uh, NLCS. The best hitters for the Philadelphia Phillies, uh, Bryce Harper, no surprise, two home runs. However, he was not the win probability added leader. Brandon Marsh was because of a huge clutch home run uh, that he had. Uh, and I want to say it was game one, but it might have been game three. Honestly, I don't remember at this point. Uh, and he also led for championship win probability added strong outings from all the guys. Um, Brandon Marsh, uh, Gene Segura, Edmundo Soso, Sosa, uh, Bryce Harper all finished with over a 1000 OPS in the series. Fucking cool shit. On Atlanta side of thing, Travis Darno and Matt Olson both hit two home runs apiece. Orlando Arcia had one and that was it. Nobody else really had any uh so they had three dudes over a 1000 ops plus ops those three dudes but everyone else was around um again but when those three dudes are hitting the ball deep it's okay because you can manufacture runs from that when nobody else is really hitting all that well uh yeah Uh, unfortunately they they didn't uh but they could have at least, well, really, actually, honestly, the hitting wasn't necessarily the problem with Atlanta. Uh, the problem was the pitching, 
which for Philly was significantly better than I think anybody would have expected. Um, Jose Alvarado. No, that, is that really who led in? I'm looking at just one game. Wait. No, I'm not. This is the series. Yeah, this is the series. Wow. That, that's actually way more confusing. So nobody. So six innings pitch was the because I guess no one had two starts. Yeah, six innings pitch was the most innings pitch. Nola and Wheeler only had one start apiece. I completely forgot that no one had to have two starts. That's fucking nuts. Um, wow. Yeah. So Aaron Nola, six innings pitch, didn't allow a single run. Zach Wheeler is slightly rougher outing, six innings pitch, uh, three earned runs. Uh, but win probability added leader, Aaron Nola. Brad Hand, the ghost of Brad Hand. I did not realize he was still in MLB. Um He's been playing so long. He started his career with the Florida Marlins. I'm surprised he has any tendons left. He has what? Any oh, tendons, tendons left. I, I feel like I, he's had two, maybe three Tommy John. It had to have been two. There's no way he had three. <laughs> he, he did not have three. He is addicted to Tommy Johns. He has said 14 Tommy Johns. Can't stop Tommy John. Um, God damn. Yeah, way to go. Way to go. The ghost of Brad Hand. Um, however, the, the ERA side of things on in Atlanta is a lot rougher um, of pitchers that had. Oh, my God. Six innings pitch is also the most for Atlanta. Kyle Wright in his uh, one outing, six innings pitch. Uh, no, no one runs was fantastic. No one else eclipsed three point one innings pitched. No one else could give them four innings. Or, or more. That's um, disgusting. That's rough. Like, Noah Syndergaard gave the Phillies four innings pitched. Nobody in Atlanta could make it through four innings outside of Kyle oh, Wright. Holy shit. Noah Syndergaard's on fucking Braves. No, he's on the Phillies. What? Yeah, Syndergaard's so on the Phillies. Lost. I am so <laughs> lost. That's okay, buddy. It's okay. Um, uh, I mean, and the, the, the it was the big dogs, the three big dudes in in Atlanta that had the worst ERAs on the team. Spencer Strider, the rookie who had been fantastic all year, could only make it through 2.1 innings and 19.29 ERA as he allowed five earned runs. Charlie Morton, the old dog veteran dude, uh, 13.5 ERA, two innings, three earned runs. And Max Freed, who's you know kind of like the the current ace of the of the staff, a ten point eight ERA, which is uh, really a three point one innings pitched, um, four earned runs, six runs altogether in his outing. Uh, those are the three dudes that really you look at for Atlanta and say these are the three guys that are going to carry that team, and they're the guys that fucked Atlanta the hardest. Um. Kyle Wright, to his credit, had a really good year this year. He led all of MLB in wins, 21 wins, which is I did not realize that happened to this year. Um, but it was those other dudes that you really expect to step up and just did not. Uh, right. Oh, God damn. Where are you in the, the Padres game? 6-4, um, two outs. Bell is one zero in the count. Uh, I didn't. I didn't realize that Brandon Jury had hit a single. So uh, did not realize that uh, San Diego took over this game. Um, yes. Yeah, I was talking. God damn. Yes. Yes. I'm gonna wait. Is it happening? 
you saying something is happening is a spoiler for something to happen. But is it happening? <laughs> Did it happen yet? Did the twist happen? At... Huh? Yes! <laughs> I'm creating my own Shyamalan twist. Oh, dude, I can't wait for you to see that movie. That twist is amazing. Well, now I know there's a twist, guy. What's that? Is that a curb? I don't know. Or is that? It uh, feels like something. It's it feels like that or it feels like that or Seinfeld. It feels like a very Seinfeld-esque thing to say. It does sound very Seinfeld. All right. Well, let's, since we're talking like Padres, that. let's talk some Padres as they smacked around the Dodgers. We, well, they didn't want really to smack them around, but they did give them the what fur. Um, as the Dodgers won the first game of the series in L.A. five to three, and then proceeded to lose three straight against San Diego, slam Diego, as uh. The Padres move on to the NLCS, which, you know, we are in the middle of game two of um, Padres won the second game of five to three on the back of a U Darvish start. He won the set, the third game two to one on the back of a Blake Snell start. And they won game four on the back uh, five to three on the back of a uh, I don't think Tim Hill started that game. I actually don't know who started that game. Um, was it Clev again? Clev started... No, Musgrove. It was Musgrove. Okay. I'll take your word for it. Clev started game one, I believe. I, w- I thought he might have started game four as well, but it must not have been enough time. No, in between it went the... Clev, you, uh, Snell, and then Musgrove. Musgrove, yeah. Uh, yeah, so the pitching was all great for the Padres. Uh, the most runs that the Dodgers managed to score was in game one, five runs. Outside of that, Nothing really. I mean, nothing above three runs, which if you're pitching only allows three runs, especially one of the best hitting teams in baseball, you should be able to win those games. And the Padres proved that kind of adage, right? That's the idea behind the quality start being three earned runs in uh, six innings pitch. That should put your team in a position to win, even if it's a mediocre ERA. And again, to that effect, the Padres showed that to be true. Um, Padres surprisingly didn't hit the world over in home runs. Only four. Uh, they were spread across four different players. Jake Cronenworth, our man, Trent Grisham, bringing some of his wild card magic into the DS series. Uh, Manny Machado and Will Myers. But the whole team roundly performed very well. Uh, the win probability added leader was Jake Cronenworth. Championship win probability added leader was also Jake Cronenworth for the batting side of things. Um, for the Dodgers... They managed to hit also four home runs. Trey Turner had two. Freeman and Muncie each had one apiece. They had three players hit over 1,000 OPS plus, throwing Austin Barnes those first two names, and you got it. Um, yeah, I was making sure I didn't misspeak. Just, uh, just, the, just the two, really. It, they only hit four home runs altogether. It's just the Freeman solo shot and the Muncie solo shot. That was it. Didn't I thought uh, Snell gave up a solo shot earlier. I think we forgive me. See, this is part of the issue with how condensed the schedule has been. Is I have a very difficult time of keeping track of pacing of things. It's really all the same. I am not a. I'm blaming MLB for this the scheduling and not my memory for being ruined by years of television and social media. Um, this is MLB. This my deficiencies are MLB's fault. Uh, the win probability added leader for the Dodgers. Not that it matters. Is Max Muncy? He can go fuck himself. Um. On the Padres' end of things, just a bunch of zeros in that ERA column, which you'll love to see. The Padres had one, two, three, four, five, six 
different pitchers come in and not allow a single run. Not a one. Absolutely dominant bullpen performance from the entirety of the bullpen. Of the 12 runs that the Dodgers scored, six of them, sorry, five of them were against Mike Clevenger in his one outing. And then you got to spread the other seven across all of the rest of the pitchers who appeared in, in the game, of which not many. I, I mean, or, I mean, are, of in which are, are numerous, I should say. Yes, like not a lot of, again, like I just said, not a lot of runs out there for a lot of people. Uh, Josh Hader proving to be his, his old self, uh, but barring the slurs, 3.1 innings pitched, three different appearances, allowed a hit and a walk. That was it. Just three saves. Just great. Um, the win probability added leader for the Padres pitching went to Robert Suarez. Four innings pitched, three hits, one walk, three strikeouts, no runs in his three games. Just huge, huge nuts. Um, on the Dodger side of things, it's not that it's bad because it's kind of not. It's just condensed to a bunch of it's like everyone who has an ERA, that ERA is kind of rough. Everyone who and then so it's like your ERA is either zero or over five for the Dodgers. So, mm-hmm. for, for instance, looking at their innings pitched, Tyler Anderson. Zero ERA in five innings. Clayton Kershaw, 5.4 ERA in five innings. Same thing with Julio Urias, 5.4 inning, uh, uh, ERA. Evan Phillips, zero ERA in 3.1 innings pitched. Yancy Almonte, 7.71 ERA in 2.1 innings pitched. So, like, it, it's just just the only exception is Andrew Heaney and his three on-the-nose ERA, um, which, again, these are small samples, so we're talking about a very small number of innings, very small number of runs, but at, at the same time, just using it conversation to kind of put the, the quantity of, of runs in this short period of time into into context. Uh their 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 biggest boon was Tommy Canely, who I didn't even realize was back from his surgery. Um who had pitched in only 13 games this year, had only thrown 12.2 innings uh in the regular season, came in and just sucked ass. Two innings pitched, three earned runs, 13.5 ERA for context. Uh, a walk, two hits, four strikeouts, just and that inopportune moments in his three is his three separate addings. Just oof. Um, and what was ultimately what if I told you that the Padres won, you probably would have figured this would go to five games. And yeah, it four isn't very fa- far off, but I mean, the Padres cruised after game one, just absolute momentum. Uh, that's the only thing I could describe it as. They just they felt it. They felt the crowd when they were at home. Their pitchers were feeling themselves. Hitters were feeling themselves. It just felt like pure momentum. Speaking of, do you think the Dodgers fell flat because they had to sit around for five days with a bye? Ah, uh, the the rest versus rust conversation? Yes. Or rest equals rust. Yeah, I, it, it, it's tough to look oh, at, I see what you're saying. I'm stupid. No, no, no. It's okay. Um, it's tough to get, have a, a lick of sympathy for the Dodgers because, or the, the Atlanta team for that matter, because yeah, both those number one seeds got or top seeds got knocked off in the NL. But it's tough to blame schedule for that because both the top seeds in the AL move forward, like they're meeting in the ALCS. Uh, so n- no, go fuck yourself. Like, like 
Also, this is not new for the Dodgers. The Dodgers do this every year. Every the, the Dodgers deserve their own tungsten arm O'Doyle tweet about how they do something that hasn't been done since like the 1928 uh, New York Giants and and have a run differential that hasn't been seen since Godzilla popped out of Kyoto um, while getting bounced in the first round of the playoffs. Like they do this every year where they set. Seemingly, they, I think they have set a franchise record in wins six times in the last six years. And then get bounced out of the playoffs. Mm -hmm. You just have to remember, Dave Roberts told us this was going to happen. This isn't typical Dodgers. They said they were going to do it, and they lied to us. (sighs) Yeah, I know you got you got to talk shit as as the manager of a baseball team, but mm, 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 you would not catch me saying we're going to win a World Series. And it it really don't have to if it's the Dodgers. Is there anything that devalues the Dodgers 2020 World Series ring more than the Dodgers continued performance after that World Series win of sucking ass in the playoffs? I don't know. Because like know. to me, like when it happened, it was like I was like, ah, yeah, people are gonna joke it's a Minnie Mouse Mickey Mouse ring. Meh, Minnie Mouse works too. Uh Mickey Mouse ring and then that no, but like it's you know, just they, they still how to win the games, like it, it's deserved. And then as time goes on, you just see them like kick ass in the in the in the regular season and then suck ass in the playoffs. It's it's tough to look back at that ring and be like, ah, yes, yes, this, this they they really earned. This was deserved. This was uh not fluky because of the shortened season, uh, because everything else they do is just. Oh, God. I mean, uh, I fucking hate him. I, I hate it because we have to endure this every year, every year from talking heads. It's the Dodgers are this unstoppable juggernaut. Look out for them in the playoffs. And then every year they lose to like. Remember when they lost to the Nationals and the Nationals won the World <laughs> Series, but like the Nationals were horrible and barely made the playoffs? Yes. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, the Nationals then went on to win the World Series. And you can look back at it and say, what a good playoff run. Or you could say the Dodgers should have won that series. No questions asked, you fucking idiots. And it's like, then they did, and they did the same thing to Atlanta when Atlanta won the World Series. And it was like, oh my God, you did it again to a team that barely deserved to be here. And it, but just it's- every year. It's not even that. It's the fact that they had the best offense, the best starting rotation, the best bullpen over the course of 162 games, and they lose to their little brother team that has been playing so unbelievably far below their expectations. It's laughable. It's and- uh, Go ahead. And, and, and that's part of what makes baseball fun. Baseball is is random. Even when we have such giant discrepancies between good and bad over the course of a full 162, there is within that pockets of sheer randomness. Like we talked about a few weeks ago about, you know, the fact that the, the Dodgers had a losing record this season against the Pirates, mm-hmm. a team which is bad. Like, like you know, those things happen by the Pirates. <laughs> yeah, like it wasn't even fucking close. <laughs> And, and but those things happen over the course of a regular season, you know, just in pockets that don't get no, they aren't as visible when you look at the whole picture of their of their otherwise flawless performance. Um, it just so happens they had a tough three game stretch in the postseason, and when you have a tough three game stretch in the postseason, 
your 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 ass gets widened. <laughs> you know, like someone's gonna just ram a fist up you and make you into their little puppet, which is exactly what the Padres did to to the that that team north of them. Um, and look, it it, it feels like it ultimately always comes down to a conversation about money. Which is the thing that bothers me because it's getting mentioned with the Dodgers getting bounced and it's getting mentioned. It was getting mentioned when it looked like the Guardians might beat the Yankees, which is like, look at the, their payroll. And while obviously the Dodgers continued lack of success in the, in the postseason and same thing with the Yankees lack of success in the postseason. Ultimately, though, all the teams like all the teams that are in the postseason right now, the four remaining teams have four of the largest payrolls in baseball yes, and having the luxury of making it to the postseason to be able to vie for those random outcomes of success usually fall on the back of money. Like, yeah, the guardians making this far is kind of a cool underdog story uh, about being able to persevere with limited means because of the owner, like the, the players were able to, to were put in a bad position. Coach. Huh? I think I don't, Cleveland, at least, I want to put it all in the coaching. Well, I mean, I blame the ownership as well for not spending money. Like, could you imagine this current Cleveland roster, but plus Francisco Lindor? No. No, I but can't. it it would be better, though, is my point. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Right. And and so to that end, like, like because ownership isn't willing to spend on that team, or at least hasn't been recently as the team has been gelling, they haven't they the roster is not as maximal potential as it could, right? They, they are inherent. There's an opportunity cost to not spending money. Um, and so while it's a nice story that they made it as far as they did and, and right, you can blame uh, Tito for hampering the team a little bit and, and you can, we can blame ownership for not spending their money at the end of the day. The fact that they made it into the postseason is very, very nice. The fact that they didn't go anywhere is telling. Yeah, they managed to be the uh, win in, in their wild card matchup. Who fucking cares? It's the wild card matchup. Tell me when they get to the CS, you know. And, and, and they didn't. Because you you know what? If that if that Pirates series where they smoked the Dodgers was was in the NLDS, you, it, it'd be the same exact shit. It's like, oh, that's really cool. That's super nice. But it's like the Pirates don't get to the NLDS. That's the point. Because right. they don't spend fucking money. The Padres. Right never made the playoffs open up their pocketbooks. Look where they fucking are. The NLCS Philly. It took a while. Philly ran a high payroll without having any, any postseason appearances for, for the past like three or four years. Um, mm-hmm. And, but Hey, they did it. You know, it started when they got Bryce Harper, really. And uh, I mean, you know, they're here in the NLCS. They, they have a fair shot at making the world series for the first time since 20, 2008. Like or 2009, yeah, the back-to-back appearances, 2009. Um, like, yeah, it's cool when a small market team makes it because they have overcome the hampering that is their own ownership. Money is still better, though. <laughs> we should and we should be encouraging owners to spend. And this isn't a conversation of like, oh man, I. I would love to see more teams be able to find this kind of magic and, and be able to find success in the postseason, you know, on a, on a whim, like it's a miracle. Just no, like you don't have to have this be a miracle. This doesn't have to be a wild one-off thing. 
you can get back significantly more consistency consistently if you just spend the money to do it. Oh my god. Yeah, I mean being able to be in a position to have a lucky outcome. That's what money is. In terms of well, really in general in life, let's be honest. Uh but also in the world of baseball. Like being able to afford the opportunity to be lucky. That's spending money on your team. That is also money in life. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, getting lucky with a with a uh, 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 a job opportunity. Chances are, it's like you know, yeah, making a connection at a at a school fair. You have the money to get there. It, it, money makes a lot of things go around, uh, but its effect on your ability to be lucky is also very big. Anyway, so now we're into the CS, the the, the championship. Me. I just got to say that while we're here. Bryce post thumb surgery. Bryce Harper, terrifying human being. His thumbs are even more opposable than they used to be. Iron Thumb O'Doyle. He he his his thumbs could snap the bat. Even I have nothing for that. What can thumbs do for baseball? Showed up, man, for jazz. What if he likes that though? What if he's like? I wouldn't be surprised. Get those titanium thumbs over here, Big Daddy. <laughs> Thank you. All right. Yeah, we're moving on. Um. All right, so so we are uh, we have two matchups, one of which was wildly unpredictable, one of which was nothing but predictable. Uh, as the Yankees are currently taking on the Houston Astros, that game starts in about thirty minutes from where we are right now, uh, and then the Padres are currently uh, wrapped up in a series against the Phillies. So in terms of, I guess, who these teams are in the regular season and how maybe that can be our, our indicator for how they may be faring against each other for the, the postseason. Um, Yankees won their division. Uh, they hold on one second. As I was saying, just wanted to double check that my facts and figures were right. The New York Yankees led all of baseball this year in home runs, hitting 254. That it was the most over the Braves and Brewers. I had no idea the Brewers were hitting home runs like that this year. And the Astros were number four in that respect. In terms of OPS plus, the Toronto Blue Jays were the best team by team OPS plus this year, followed by the Cardinals. Again, what? And then the Yankees, so third in MLB, uh, the Astros a little bit farther below that, sitting at about seventh uh, from the looks of it at 111. Uh, on the pitching side of things, again, just looking at home runs, because that's going to be our indicator for, for, for the postseason. The Astros, second best at um, preventing home runs, I guess we can say, in MLB, uh, 134, the, the best in the American League. Uh, Yankees for the American League standings, second, 157 allowed. Um, And if we look at it by ERA plus, the best team by ERA plus in baseball this year was the Dodgers, followed by the Astros for number two, uh, for number one in the American League, and the number two in the American League, number three overall, the New York Yankees at 119. So these are two teams that are very well matched up against each other in terms of their overall stats for the season. The Yankees against the Astros this year, for what I think I have up is batting. I forgot. Yes, batting. Um, not great. The the 
um, Astros did a really good job ba- uh, matching them up for their pitching. The Yankees lined this year in uh, seven games, 151, 268, 292. That's an OPS of f- 560 and a uh, TOPS plus of 51, which is uh, pretty bad. Um, the Astros batting matchup against the Yankees was much better. Uh, 218. 295, 397. That's an OPS of 693 and a TOPS plus of 86. So while both teams did fairly well, I think that you would take an 86 OPS uh, OPS plus for um, as as the pitching side of things as the team. Uh, it is certainly um, looks as though pitching is favoring the Astros at this moment. Yes. <laughs> the Padres are doing really well, so we might we might have just lost Corwin <laughs> altogether you, here. In theory, yeah, yeah. Um, on the 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 pitching side of things, which is uh, just to throw it out there, it'll mirror um what the batting side tells us. Uh, Yankees pitching against the Astros, they walked away with sixty one strikeouts, a three point nine four ERA. Um, a whip of 151 strikeouts per nine of 8.9 strikeout to walk ratio 2.9 um, allowed nine home runs. I guess so that's going to be one of our, our, our key figures there. Um, nine home runs in uh, 61 innings. Uh, the Astros on the other side of things allowed, uh, let's, let's start with home runs this time. They allowed uh 10 home runs to our local hometown, New York Yankees. Ooh. ooh. Uh, and a, uh, fuck it. God damn it. Did it move? Yeah, most pitches move. Where's the ERA? Hold on. Uh, usually on one of the screens surrounding. Uh, I, I, all right, never mind. I found it. I hate, uh, baseball reference. You dirty bitch. Um, a 2.98 ERA, 63.1 innings pitch. They had a strikeout to nine of 9.5, a whip of 10-11, a strikeout to walk of 2.16, 31 walks, uh, 67 strikeouts. So, again, fairly well matched up. Um, th- this is going to come down to the home run. That's really all there is to it. This is going to come down to the home run. These two teams play in bandbox stadiums. Yankee Stadium's right field has got its short porch. Um the uh, fucking not Tropicana. Wait, is it Tropicana? No, it's not Tropicana. Minute Maid, Minute Maid Park, the other orange juice brand. Uh, Minute Maid has its short porch to left field. So both, both, both stadiums have their um, tight corners on, on, on either side uh, for, for the hitters to try to make use of Yankees a little bit more left-handed this year than in years past and don't have a role to Chapman to fuck them up the ass this time. So, I mean, the, the Astros' best player against the Yankees has been Aroldis Chapman. So, what would you say? You think he's watching this from home? Or do you think he's off doing his own thing and doesn't give a shit anymore? Uh, I I don't fucking care. I, I, I Who gives a shit? I hope I'm, he's not dead. I know we did talk about this. Do you think the Yankees... Uh, spurn him and don't give him a world series ring if they win because he only fucked him over this season i feel like they have to not 
I don't morally, think there's any like, rule I mean, saying you have to. I, I don't know why I feel like there is one, but I do. I feel Fair. I feel like there is one. I can't confirm that and I won't try. <laughs> but I I do feel like it exists. I hope they ship it to him in like a regular envelope with like DHL. I hope they ship it to him in the puzzle box from Hellraiser. <laughs> so that way, if he tries to solve it, he gets taken by the Cenobites. Damn. That is, Which, tune uh, in to uh, Juice in the Big Screen, where Corey and I will be talking about that movie probably this week. Yes. Uh, all right. So looking at the Padres and Philadelphia Phillies matchup, in terms of OPS+, plus, the Phillies were... Um, Eighth best in MLB this year with a 107. Padres were uh, 9, 10, 11, 12th best with a 105. So, I mean, neck and neck right there with each other. Um, so matched up well there. They uh, Phillies hit 205 home runs. The Padres 153. So, again, one would assume that the home run hitting will be a big impact here. Uh, but we shall see. This That's series so far. is underfolding. As one would expect, yeah. Uh, in terms of pitching, the Philadelphia Phillies are, I'm not even going to try to count this low, um, let's say like 12, 12 in MLB with a 103. Again, I'm not going to actually count that out to find out. Who fucking cares? Uh, the San Diego Padres are below league average for pitching. I did not realize that. 99 ERA plus for pitching. So let's let's call that like 16 or 17. I'm again, I'm not doing all that counting. I will say as I have spent several hours at work today reading into such matchup, uh, the Philadelphia pitching comes down to Zach Wheeler and Aaron Nola. And that's it. Bullpen has turned around and has been excellent so far in the past couple of weeks. As for the Padres, they've got three aces. They've got Mike Clevenger, who is still working back from COVID and injury and has not been the Mike Clevenger of name recognition and an absolutely electric bullpen so far in the past couple of weeks. Those both show the Padres and the Phillies not having great paced pitching, but it has definitely not been the case in the postseason. Thank you for providing insightful color commentary to these stats. For once in my life, I'm prepared for this podcast. First time for everything. Wow, look at that. Um, yeah, the other thing of note here is that the Padres have been allowing more home runs than the Phillies. The gap between the home runs allowed is not as big as the um, home runs hit, uh, as the Padres have allowed 173 to the Phillies, 150. Uh, looking at how these teams matched up against each other this season in terms of batting, starting with the Phillies, the Phillies against the Padres this year. Um, in also seven games, hit 221, 268, 320 as a 589 OPS, uh, good for a 60 TOPS plus. So not great, only five home runs against um, Padres pitching. Uh, on, on the pitching side of things for the Phillies, we're going to do this the other way around because it would probably be a little bit easier. Um, the Padres or the Phillies have pitched the Padres. Uh, to the tune of a 2.18 ERA in their seven games, went four and three. They got uh, 32 strikeouts, uh, eight walks. They allowed 
zero home runs. Oh, that's the Mariners. Sorry. One home, one home run. Actually, that's equally as strange. Um, wow. You guys only hit one home run off pot off the Phillies pitching. That's kind of wild. Uh, so 58 strikeouts, 12 walks, one home run. Um, yeah, a strikeout per nine of 8.4, a strikeout to walk ratio of 4.83, a whip of 0. 0.919. Uh, on the Padre side of things, from the batting side against the Phillies pitching, the uh, Padres batting line of 199, oof, 248, 257, as an OPS of 505 and a TOPS plus of 45. Just huge, huge woof right there. Um, as yes, the Padres have only hit one home run against Philadelphia Phillies pitching, which is Listen, quite wild. Padres offense was absolute dog shit this year. In the sense of it was the Aaron Judge show in New York, it was the Manny Machado show in San Diego. Perfectly well understandable. He only need to get hot for a little bit. So basically have the Padres hit two home runs against Philadelphia Phillies pitching so far this series? Did that in one inning so far. They did that in two pitches today. Okay, that's what I thought. So the so the, the Padres have already hit more home runs this series than they did all season against the Phillies. <sighs> get fucked, Philadelphia. Get fucked, Philadelphia. They've had a flood uh, of texts come in throughout this game. Uh, I was about to say, you, you said fingers. that they were talking some shit i hope you're talking shit back now i was i i have sent out a flurry of manny machado waving gifts just and anything especially spicy um just a couple fuck yous fuck yous back back and forth uh I did send the lyrics to LL Cool J's uh, Mama Said Knock You Out because you do not call this a comeback. We have been here four years. Um, that's really the highlight. That's the whitest thing we've ever said on this podcast. Josh, it's us. We're white. <laughs> um. Uh, yeah, Padres pitching against the Phillies just to wrap up this uh, Matt, 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 this matchup guy. Uh, 3.05 ERA. They have allowed five home runs, gotten 58 strikeouts, 14 walks, a whip of 1048, strikeouts per nine of 8.4, strikeout to walk ratio 4.14. Um, so as it stands right now, since game two is currently being led by the Padres, let's just assume for sake of looking forward that they win this game uh, to even up the series at one apiece. That means that the uh, Phillies would be home next for uh, three games, be a three game stretch of home games, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Uh, Philly would need to win all three of them to advance to the world series. Otherwise the series comes back to San Diego starting Monday the 24th so by the by the time we next record which would be sunday night mm -hmm. one would assume anyway with a 2 30 p.m east coast start time one would think that game four five game five would be over what are you expecting in the three weekend <laughs> games coming up i again i can only imagine that this is what sex with you sounds like <laughs> No, um, that's much less exciting. 
what are you expecting from the from the three games to follow? Um, what, 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 I I am expecting records, a two-one split. I want to put it in the Padres' direction. I think it's going to come. Uh, I think it's going to be three-two coming back to San Diego in favor of the Phillies. So the so the Padres are going to have to win their their final two games. So you're, you're basically are you project predicting then at this point a seven game series win for the Padres? Well, I'm expecting it to be tied. I'm expecting it to go. Yeah, I am. Yeah, because if the Phillies come back winning, leading three yeah. two, the Padres have to win both games. games. Yeah, yeah. I honestly, I would hope for that because this is a series I would love to see go the full seven. With weirder matchups like like this, a, a matchup I can't imagine most people had on their fucking brackets. No. Uh, you would love to see how chaotic it could really get. And so far, it's been plenty chaotic. So right. I'm a fan. And I, I think baseball would do well to get both of these cities. Re- no one wants to have a Mariners-like postseason where mm-hmm. you get so excited you finally make it and then just get crushed rushed whether it's by score or by emotion and yes making the postseason is an accomplishment that should that should be cherished by especially by teams whose ownership groups don't allow that to happen frequently but in order to really revitalize a town's interest in the sport of baseball a lengthy stay would be nice so to have this series go the full seven for two teams whose ownerships did pony up put up the cash get good players invest in the team and make the show to have it go the full seven, I think does baseball a service. Yankees Astros, who fucking cares? Like, like, I mean, obviously I care, but outside it's of not, those it's two cities, it's evil versus evil. Nobody gives exactly. a shit. No one fucking gives a shit. Rightfully so. Like, rightfully so. Like, this is the more fun series. Mm-hmm. I really hope it doesn't end Sunday night because if I have to hang my head and walk into work Monday morning with an entire building full of Philadelphia construction workers, all hyper aware that I am a San Diego Padres fan. I am going to call in sick. Actually, no, I can't call in sick. It's only going to make it worse when I, it would only make it worse. You'd look like such a pussy. Yeah. And I'm already 135 pounds soaking wet. They all think of me as a pussy anyway. If the Padres were to have won, though, Sunday night to take the series and go to the World Series, what would you do when you walked in Monday morning to really? I would walk into that building strapped. Genuinely, like I, I, all kidding aside, I fear for what thing, what will be thrown and said to me. I, I, I'm wondering if you come in carrying like a fuck ton of Philly pretzel factory pretzels and start throwing them at people. The or funny part you... is, the funny part is, I'm picking up Philadelphia pretzel factory on my way to work tomorrow. It almost feels like, or you know, you stop at like Pat's and you just, pick, or, or we're not even that. Just go to fucking Wawa and pick up uh, yeah. like a, like cheesesteaks and just be like, ah, yeah, here, here's a little taste of Philly for you guys before you don't get any in the fucking postseason for the rest of October. And then they'll be like, motherfucker, we live in Philly. Oh, yeah. Um, 
I wish San Diego had like a quintessential dish. I know. I, I don't think you got tacos, but it's like ah, yeah, but like all right, it's not you fun. You can't claim tacos. Okay, I'm gonna Google. Several countries have claimed tacos. One well, state can't do it, and every like every state in the nation. Yeah. Um, famous San Diego foods. Let me bring in some qualities. fish tacos, California no, pizza, uh, uh, oysters. Box. It would be Jack in the Box. Ceviche, sea urchins. Oh God, this no, is awful. None of, the, none of those are correct. It's the answer is Jack in the Box. But that, but that's that's not a food. That's a chain. Yeah, but it's like you would bring in burgers from Jack in the Box, and it's there's none around here. That's not happening. It would be pretty fucking funny though if you came in on Monday tossing around fish tacos. That would be. That would be pretty fucking funny. If I came in throwing them around, uh, one would get lost behind a desk somewhere, and that building would have to be evacuated. Eat a dick. Well, this one website claims that apple pie a la mode is a San Diego delicacy, which is like, fuck you. That is just oh, American You food. mean the quintessential American dish? Yeah. Like, fuck It's like claiming a hamburger and French fries. Seriously. My God. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I'm going to be bold and say it's San Diego bad food town. Don't go there for food. Not, not a good spot for food, apparently. Just kidding. It seems like a lovely place for food. Like, all right. I just final comment here on this. Juan Soto, best eyes in baseball, right? That's not up to I get lost in them every time I see him. God damn it. Watching him just stare down a 97 mile an hour fastball center center is just like you you know what that is. You know what you know where it is. I know you're not taking for a reason, but ah, smack ball, hit hard. Hitting home runs was easy, man. Everyone would do it. All right. The guy Um, who was Aaron Judge on his team. Hey, big man hits ball far. Same thing with Giancarlo Stanton. Giancarlo. Um, yeah, football also happened. Are we gonna talk about it? We've been going for a while. Nah, fuck it. Yeah, we'll Jets get to won. football when football's enjoyable to watch on the weekends. Jets are good. Oh, football's been great to me. Yeah, absolutely. Football's been great to me. This this is shaping up to be the Jets season I've always wanted to have while we've been recording this podcast because I've never gotten the chance to have. Steelers I've never gotten the chance to have. Jets are good. What is and like, yes, the Jets have been good against some very like iffy competition, but it does not matter. It does not matter to me. The Jets have won four football games already this year. That's all they won last year. I'm will, a happy man. Will Zach Wilson be able to throw down the field? Uh, I think he can do it. I just think that they're not really having him do it because. Why would you have Brees Hall's murdering defenses? Yes, he is. He like, is very good. Jets have an unbelievable rookie class this year. Oh, it's so nice to see. It's so nice to see that our coach is actually yeah. doing well, that our GM's doing well. Both things are happening at the same time. I can't wait for us to do midseason predictions updates because I am just like every time I see an accolade or someone talk about Sauce Gardner, 
it's just like yes yes dude has been i don't remember any of my real. other predictions are other than sauce gardener being amazing i unreal to watch this dude play he's so fucking good man mm-hmm. uh it's so watching it's watching so like nice. professional former you know pro bowl you know all pro level cornerbacks just post clips of him or, or quote tweet clips of him just being like yeah that's fucking art that is perfection it's like this guy's a rookie in his like fifth nfl game all world receivers perfectly that's insane and it's and it's been so because like it felt like every year every game you would see the jets cornerback have a pass breakup it would be immediately followed by either a holding or a dpi because it's like that's the only way they could break up a long pass. The the three options were a completion where our cornerbacks got burned for a touchdown, an incompletion only because the quarterback underthrew or overthrew the ball, or a DPI or a holding penalty. Those were the only three options. Or a genuine pass breakup because your name is Darrell Revis. Yeah, but that's like, like since Revis's retirement, like five six years ago now. Way before the podcast started, like Damn. yeah, he's been gone for a while. Um, it must be like five years ago because I think that he's Hall of Fame eligible this year. Um, That's awesome. Yeah, I think so. Uh, ever since then, I mean, it's been uh, it's been garbage. It's been garbage. So to have not just competent quarterback cornerback play, but like amazing cornerback play, I have not seen this since my childhood. It's yeah, him and so him great. and DJ Reed are in. Top five of completion percentage allowed or yards per game allowed. Unreal. DJ Reed has also been like every time uh, he makes a great play, I'm reminded that he's on the team in the best way possible where it's like, oh, right. This is why every now and then they have to target Sauce Gardner because they have to target one of these two madmen in the backfield or in the uh, in the secondary. I just oh, I'm I'm thrilled. It's funny. Thrilled. Todd Bowles came in and was this just out of this world defensive coach, or even you could go back to Rex Ryan and you get a young quarterback. That's supposed to be the starter moving forward in Mark Sanchez. He's got awful Rex Ryan just can't handle the pressure or isn't allowed to handle the pressure long enough. Can't Todd Bowles comes in, Sam Darnold, young quarterback, turn this thing around can't make it work. Robert Sala comes in, young quarterback, works enough, and all of a sudden it's like, yes, his defense is coming to life. Offense is able to do enough. They're winning football games. The team is turning around. It's a thing of beauty. It's a thing of absolute beauty. Oh, to see Jets players get to talk shit. Oh, God. It's a, th- it's a thing wearing the uh, cheese head. And yes, Green Bay was unreal. Yeah, it was great. I'm, I'm, dude. I want a team with personality that isn't just we're going to be better next year. You better watch, better watch out. And for once, they're actually like, "Fuck you!" I'm going to take a shit right here in the middle of your fucking emblem on the field. Non sequitur, non sequitur. Philadelphia Phillies, twenty-seven and two record in franchise history during the postseason when leading by four plus runs. Hell yeah. That'd be 27 and three. Let's go Padres. 
Josh said the thing that you don't say. All right. All right. So I okay, got a I perfect game. I don't going. believe in jinxes. Yeah. Except the Pokemon. That one's real. That's true. Yeah. Man, I should play Pokemon again. I shouldn't. I never really cared for that game. I would I always play it and then game. get tired of grinding, and that'd be it for me. I remember catching a legendary Pokemon on when I had Pokemon Crystal, I think it was, or Diamond, Pokemon Diamond, maybe, well, from a Game Boy Color, and it was like through the moon as a 11-year-old, however old I was. Yeah. Anyway. Proud of you, Josh. Thanks, buddy. I'm still living off that high all these years later. Uh, all right. Let's get out of here. Um, again, we'll have more to talk about in the Monday episode. We'll have a... a unlikely that both these series are concluded, but there is an outside chance that they both are. So we'll see what's up with that. And if, if not, we'll you know be able to offer some, some thoughts about where we are in the interim. And hopefully by that point in time, both of our teams have played again and we have more football talk to chew, chomp, chomp, chomp our way through. Uh, so in the meantime, if you want to follow the show on Twitter, you can do so at Juzin pod. If you want to follow Corbin on Twitter, you can do so at Corbin Heller for the one of, like to follow myself on Twitter, you can do so at Joshua D. Tracy. Like I said, emails to the show. You can do so at juice the numbers at gmail.com. And uh until Monday, y'all have a good one. Bye.